This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Rochelle Rochelle. The village voice calls it a masterpiece. A young woman's strange erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. It's a story about life and love and becoming a woman. Rochelle Rochelle. Now playing at Paradise 2. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 84. Today's guest was a writer on Seinfeld from 1991 to 1994. He is credited with writing three episodes, the movie, the chaperone, and the alternate side. Phil Masters. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, please pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty, Instagram at This Thirsty. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. This podcast is making me thirsty. Email us at this podcast is making me thirsty at gmail.com. Enjoy. Thank you for listening. Episode 84. This podcast is making me thirsty. Phil Masters. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 84. Today's guest has executive produced and written on many hit shows, including Greetings from Home, Caroline in the City, Race on Defire, and Murphy Brown. And of course, he was a writer on Seinfeld from 91 to 94. He wrote The Movie, The Chaperone, and The Alternate Side. Please welcome Bill Masters. Bill, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Right. Yeah, Bill, listen, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, for your episode, clearly, right? These pretzels are making me thirsty. But so take us back in 1991. How did the uh how did the gig come about? Was there a relationship with Larry, Jerry? Can you kind of take us back onto how you got introduced? Yeah, to the show? I think I can go back uh probably a little bit farther than that. Um I was a stand-up in New York. I had an apartment across the street from Jerry's New York apartment that he shared with uh, uh, George Wallace. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so I knew I knew uh, Jerry a little bit. He was a big star back then, you know, even though it was before TV. He was just such a great comic. And I was just starting out. So I knew of him. And then we started seeing each other in the neighborhood. And um, I started to write. I was the I did the audience warm up on Cosby. And okay. uh, I wrote a spec Cosby, which got me interested in writing. Then I wrote a feature that got set up uh, and that got me out to L.A. So when I came out here, um, Peter Melman is a very good friend of mine. We um, uh, also back in the 80s, he did a uh, an article about me in The Washington Post where he traveled around comedy clubs down south um, and, you know, what the so anyway, we became very good friends. We still very see cool. each other at least twice a week and play golf together. Uh, so Peter got a job on the show. I would come in to watch the, the show be, uh, you know, taped, filmed, I guess. And, um, you know, I think through, probably through Peter more than anything else, I got an opportunity to come in and pitch uh, the season before uh, that I, before I was a staff writer. And that's when I pitched the alternate side. Um, I think that the reason they liked it was so much was because the guy, Sid, who parks cars on, was the name of the guy that parked the cars on 81st Street. And Jerry, I think, knew him. And I think that helped a lot. Um, so uh, I'd like to take credit for these pretzels are making me thirsty, but that was part of the rewrite that uh, that Larry did. Larry did. Oh wow, this is this is great stuff right here, man. We're this is all uh, there's a lot there to unpack. The Peter Melman connection, the um, the Jerry connection, the stand up. We were going to go uh, through your episodes, um, you know, kind of one by one. We had a few questions on each of them. Sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. The movie, I I, 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 I guess it's safe to assume then from your stand up days is kind of where that storyline came about with Jerry and the and the comic um, going back and forth. Um, Maybe just take us through like what what was your uh, kind of pitch from from the from the movie uh, episode and what where you know where your stories yeah. 
Well, what happened was um, after the altered side, then I became a staff writer. And the staff writers that season were not necessarily expected to write an episode that was going to be on, but just to give some um, some help when, when Larry got stuck. For example, when he was... Um, when he was doing the contest, he was looking for us to write a um, an Elaine story because uh, he didn't think Elaine should be in the masturbation contest. And right. we were arguing and say, of course she should. And he goes, well, who is she going to masturbate to? And John Heyman said, JFK Jr., of course, which made Larry laugh. And that's what helped that thing go along. Uh, the other two of the staff writers, Bob Shaw and uh, Steve Scrovan, uh, and we just worked on ideas. You know, when um, the bubble boy, the whole thing about moops, that happened to me. I pitched that to Larry. And and so that's what our contributions were supposed to be. But we all wanted to write something. So we would also work on our stuff. So uh, Scrovan came up with the idea for the movie. And he didn't want to write it by himself. So he asked me and he asked uh, Heyman um, to, uh, you know, to, to contribute. Bob, for some reason, Bob Shaw wasn't available. I, I can't remember why he didn't get involved. So it was uh, it was uh, Steve Scarvan and, and uh, Heyman and, and myself. Um, and I'm not really sure about who wrote what in terms of... Um, you know, in in terms of where the the comedy club came from, whether that was in our draft or whether uh, that was something that Larry did later, mm. uh, but it was obviously something that we had the idea for. Or Scro had the idea for it. This is what we used to do when we were standups: is that you know you have a spot at uh, at eight thirty, and then you have another one at two in the morning. Well, you go to the movies. You know, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's probably where it came from. And then it just, you know, what would happen if, um, people just keep getting mixed up and why would they get mixed up? And I, I know, I think, I think it was Larry that came up with, uh, Kramer wanting to get the hot dog. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not quite sure where that started from. By the King, so. Yeah. And, um, obviously Rochelle, Rochelle is kind of an iconic, uh, right movie if you will was that was that your idea i'm just curious that was larry's and in fact um you know i got i don't know what happened to it but i had the i had the uh uh you know the poster? one sheet that they had for the poster uh <laughs> in, in my garage for years uh but that's a typical that's i mean that's larry david rochelle rochelle uh a trip from minx to Milantibus, yeah. it was just that's that was all larry yeah, that, that that episode had the vibe of of kind of the Chinese restaurant, the airport, the parking garage. Some of these episodes where they're all kind of in one area and it's kind of like, you know, they're lost. That sort of vibe, which which I liked. I mean, the, all three of the episodes we're talking about here, you know, specific ones, just the movie, the, the chaperone, the alternate side. They all very much come together, all plots, which was a, obviously a big theme with Seinfeld um, once Larry David sort of caught on to that idea. Um, and these three, it really happened, um, you know, very much so in all three of these episodes. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, that was the thing you guys all were kind of cognizant of. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, this was my first uh, uh, TV job and I knew nothing about any of this stuff. In fact, when I pitched the alternate side, I didn't even have a Jerry story. Um, it was just mostly about George getting the uh, the job and. Then I was told, well, you got to have, you know, you have to have stories for the other, everybody. Um, I can't remember what the Jerry thing that I wrote, but Jer uh, Larry thought of the car being stolen. Um, so that was the Jerry story. Um, but that's the one thing that I found out later that uh, that uh, Larry did so well is, uh, and, you know, most uh, most half hours have an A story and a B story. And uh, the A story is what's the, the you know the, the the main the main story, but there's always something that that's kind of running through it, or another character has something to do. And Larry said, "No, we got we got four people. Everybody has a story." Um, I'm not 100 percent sure that they did that, you know, for 
190 episodes or whatever it was, but that was, that's the way Larry uh, wanted it to go. And, and uh, so that's why when, now that I'm on staff and I know what's, you know, how to do it in theory, um, <laughs> that's how we all had, we needed everybody to be going to the movies and having something that was, and obviously it's great to have George be the one that, that has to pay all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his uh, his cheapness really shines through there. Um, jumping back to the alternate side, listen, we we did a full rankings. We rank it number four all time. It's really my favorite. I was one. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a perfect episode. It, well, I mean, it's funny as we'll talk about it in a second. Like it's come out now that it's Jerry's least favorite episode. Right, I, I was going to say. Yeah, Larry loved it. Jerry didn't. Was that I know Jerry says that now, but at the time, did you get that same vibe? No, no, because I, I'll tell you the funny thing about the pitch was the first thing I pitched, I can't remember what the story was, but they hated it. And I thought it was over, but I had like five other things. And the second one was the alternate side. And I pitched that and um, they were laughing. Everything was good. And then I just started going to the third pitch and Larry Charles was sitting next to me, uh, somebody I just met that day. And he just elbowed me and said, go back, go back. They like it. They like it. So I went back and, you know, did as much, you know, bullshit that I could, could to make it seem like I had more of an idea there than I did. Um, but the thing I think that Jerry didn't like was he, he didn't like, the Navy beans uh, scene because uh, he thought it might be too cruel. Um, right. And then I think, boy, I thought they were a lot crueler uh, later yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, they killed Susan. <laughs> right, exactly. We're going to care about that. Where, where, yeah. where, where we draw the line here. I mean, and I like at the end, they do tie it up and say he got better and everything was okay. Um, right. If you want to go that route, I mean, I don't care the way I thought it was funny. Funny's funny. But if you do want to go that route, they did at the end say, you know, he's fine now. He's doing well. And he actually, you know, was using her for sex or whatever. So they, they made it funny. Um, right. But yeah, the alternate side is an all time favorite of ours, obviously. Well, that's it's, great it's to hear. Yeah, it's the namesake of the show. And so one of my questions you already answered, I mean, Sid was a real guy. He was really parking cars. That That's a fascinating part of the story. I mean, we love the actor who plays Sid, you know, who put your pants on and all that right. stuff. Um, it, it sounds like we've talked to a few writers now and just hearing from, from, you know, the, the few stories we've gotten already from you is that, you know, Larry David had his hands on almost on every single script, right? So you guys are, are pitching ideas and, and then they're sort of getting formed, um, kind of, you know, iterations. Um, I'm curious, I know you mentioned, you know, Jerry didn't have anything yet when you pitched it. Um, so what was your pitch? Was it the, the parking part or was it the, you know, was the Elaine part? Was it the Kramer and a Woody Allen movie? Was it all of the, I like, no, kind the, of the trying Jerry, to understand how it all comes together, you know? Yeah, the Jerry and the, um, and the um, uh, Kramer thing was all Larry. Uh, I can't remember what I had them doing. You know, I had, which I still thought was a funny, I don't know if you could even do this scene, but in that episode, Jerry and Elaine are, or at a coffee shop in the village that is also a, a chess bar and they're sitting down having coffee, but people are playing chess and there's 64 uh, tables and chair. Anyway. And the, the idea was that when one of these chess masters moved, they had to get up and go to another, go to another table. And I, gee, I thought that was so funny. And I think Larry read that and said, you can't do that. This doesn't make any sense. You know, so he just threw that out. But, um, you know, he did the Jerry's uh, uh, and, and the, you know, the, the, the Woody Allen thing and tied it in to George being a bad, uh, you know, car parker. So, um, you know, look, every, every episode when I was there um, and even the ones that Peter and, and, Larry uh, Charles wrote um, had their they had their fingerprints on uh, Larry and and Jerry. I mean, they did all the rewrite. We only rewrote in a room um, a, a couple of times. I, I remember going in one Sunday because of uh, the episode where Jerry uh, can't remember the girl's name. It's a part of a, a woman's uh, a body. Part. Junior Mint, yeah, right. The Junior Mint and yeah. and. Um, you know, he he was having trouble with it and it was getting too close and he needed help to 
you know, which every every TV show has a room except Seinfeld didn't. Uh, and we, you know, we just went through ideas. But before that, it was all Larry come in and go, hey, what about this? And we'd give, say something and he'd laugh and he'd leave. And sometimes he would leave and you wouldn't even know whether he liked it or not, you know. Unless um, Larry Charles nudges you, then you go back, right? I, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, no, well, it's funny you mentioned, I mean, you, you hear the history of the show and, you know, Larry and Jerry weren't TV guys. You said yourself you were there. You didn't kind of know what you were doing first stab. So um, and Jerry talks about it. It's such a homemade show. But, yeah, back to those scenes, um, like at the rental car. I mean, that to me, that felt like Jerry. Like Jerry wrote that, the hold the reservation. It's it felt like a stand up bit, like your whole yeah. business is other drivers. Was that right? I you know, that was another thing and 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 getting off the subject a little bit, only because I had written a couple of films and got I got a deal at Disney and that's when I came out here. Um I had no idea how television worked. Um and you know when I wrote this. I pitched this episode. They said, go and uh, write it. I wrote it. I came back two weeks later. Two weeks after that, I got invited to the, the table read. And then the end of that week, I heard people say words that I had written. And four years of writing features, I'd never heard anybody say the words except in my head. So the the um the quickness of this the, the just just the timing that you have to have in television was so uh, it was just so fast and i i know jerry and larry like when i was there it was you know when i when i pitched that it was a season before so that was 9091 i think they had only done maybe 30 episodes by that point um they had an idea of how how to do this uh, still doing the, um, you know, the interstitials with the, uh, standups, uh, bits. And I asked Jerry, I said, so where are you in these standups? I mean, you know, and where are you as a character? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm me right before this TV show, you know, when I'm just a working comic. Um, and the one thing, I mean, really, I'm sure everybody tells you this, that, it had to be real. Everything had to be real. It had to happen. You, you know, um, the, the, all the ideas. And so if Larry had the idea, and again, I don't know whether he did, of having Jerry's car stolen. Obviously, when Jerry is standing in front of a woman uh, at the uh, rental desk, right. that's a bit. I mean, you can just you can just see that that's a bit. And you're exactly right. I mean, I'm sure... Because they would go in their, their offices and, and work together without us, and then we would just see it. You know, I never saw those words before uh, it was the uh, the draft, the table draft. It's interesting. Uh, we love hearing these these kind of stories. Uh, these these are great stories, Bill. Um, so the the alternate side, you're you weren't even you weren't on staff yet. It sounds like right. You got pitched. Oh, you pitched I, that, I, and then you yeah. then you got on right. Um, and then the movie was season four. I wanted to jump to season six, the chaperone, because it was the it was the season premiere of season six. I don't know if if that comes into play or not as far as your writing. I'm sure they put them together afterwards, maybe. I don't know, but you can yeah, touch what, on that. But. What happened was uh I got a job on Grace Under Fire uh and left Seinfeld. And um but before I left, Bob Shaw and I had written the chaperone. Okay. And Larry tried to get it in that season, that fourth season, but it, it, they, it, they just, it's, they weren't going to get to it. And he promised Bob and I, he said, we're going to do this sometime. So, uh, so loyal. we're hearing that a lot about Larry. He's very loyal. Larry is, you know what? He's such a curmudgeon guy and he, and everything, everything that you see on, on curb is really Larry, except he is such a mensch. And, yeah. You know, I never told I, I never told Larry this, but when he offered me the job, I had just found out that my wife was pregnant with twins, that my uh, other meetings that I had had weren't going to amount to anything. I had been a year and year and a half away from stand up. I think I acted that. And forty years old, I thought 
I have, uh, it's over. I had a message from Larry. He called me from New York. And uh, Gail said, who was that? I said, Larry left a message. And she said, you call him back? I go, no, I'm not calling him back. He wants me to get you to get him tickets to Les Mis or something like that. And that's just going to piss me off. She said, just call him back. I'll get him tickets. So I called back Larry and he said, I don't know if you want to do this, but uh, you want to be on staff uh, next season. And it was like, it was like a, 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 you know, someone throwing me a lifesaver. It was unbelievable. That's incredible. That's incredible. And then so the, so he, he decided, cause I guess cause season four had an arc. It was really the only season that had that arc about them writing the show. Right. So we didn't really get to it, but the movie was one that didn't have anything to do with that arc. And it sounds like that's probably why they couldn't get the chaperone in either. Cause it was like, we have this arc we have to do maybe. And then they were just like, and you know, in the beginning, the first meeting we had, and again, cause I had no idea how TV works. So I didn't know that, Every first meeting wasn't like this, but he, Larry said, look, we're going to do this. They're going to be writing a pilot. We're going to do the pilot at the end of the show and, and we're going to build it. And after I, and I'm, I'm not sure what season, uh, you know, what, what episode, but at one point, Larry said, this is, it's too complicated because, you know, he meets Susan and then has a date. So now we got to, he's got to service the Susan story. He's, you know, so there were times when he would just say, okay, I, I'm just going to write a scene where the, the two of them are working on the pilot. You know, they're, they're, they're writing the pilot, but it's, it's really about, you know, the contest or the, um, the virgin, um, right. Not that there's anything wrong with it. That one, you know, the outing, (laughs) but throughout those, if it didn't have anything to do with the pilot, he was trying to at least have a line where somebody says, uh, NBC called, you know, just something to keep that alive. Uh, but boy, when we did, um, uh, when they burned the house down, uh, Susan's father's house, there was so much plot in that story based on stuff that we had done up until that point with uh, the fact that he met NBC, you know, and everything else. Yeah, so, the cigars. Every, yeah. Uh, and it's, another thing that, 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 uh, is is kind of a great Seinfeld story is, you know, when they go to um, Bob Balaban um, uh, and uh, George looks down his daughter's uh, cleavage (laughs) and Balaban goes to the uh, bathroom and throws up, right? That really happened. Um, Larry was sick one day during that season. And, um, Scrovan and I were going to pitch. I think we were. I don't think we were pitching the movie. We, no, we had, we had another script that we were that we were pitching uh, before we went and and wrote it. So we were supposed to meet him, and and uh, his assistant said, uh, "Larry's not in today. He wants you to go to his house." So we thought this isn't going to work, you know. So we went over. He lived in in Studio City, not too far, and we stopped at a magazine stand and got a bunch of you know porno mags and said, you know, just to <laughs> say, Hey, read these while you're up, you know, that kind of crap. So he goes, uh, come on. I, I'm really, just read, just tell me what the pitch is. So we starts, we start the pitch and he gets up and goes into the bathroom right next to where we were. And you could hear him throwing up. <laughs> so I turned to scroll and just, just as a joke, I just kind of said, Hey, how do you think it's going? And Scrooge started laughing. I'm laughing. Larry comes out of the bathroom, and he goes, "Well, what's so funny?" Uh, and, and we we told him, and then he started laughing. And then we said, "Do you like our pitch?" He goes, "No, that pitch is shit, but this is funny. This is funny. <laughs> I'm gonna do this." Um, so we never got to write that script. Or actually, we wrote it, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't use it. But uh, he kept that in, you know, in the back of his mind. And he and he used it later that year. So wow. It's funny. I mean, that's an incredible story and like another like just iconic moment from the show that everyone remembers. And you mentioned another one, uh, the Moops idea from the Bubble Boy. So, Moop, yeah, Bubble Boy, yeah. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. You know, that's another thing that we, again, he, he would come in just to, or Jerry would come in just to say, okay, we're doing this. What do you think of this? How can, you know, a line here? Because I think that the, what Larry and Jerry wanted 
wasn't necessarily a staff of writers. I mean, he got them later when, uh, you know, Gamel and Pross came and, and, um, and uh, what's his name? Spike Pearson. And, but in the beginning, um, you know, he, he, before we were there, he had Tom Leopold and Elaine Pope and, uh, they didn't stick around. And Larry, um, Peter was very fortunate that he kind of, you know, he just kind of laid low and they liked, they liked him. So, but with us, he hired four stand-ups to come in just to, um, you know, that had, that had writing experience. But, um, so anyway, uh, when we, I can't remember exactly what he came in to talk about, but, uh, there was looking, you know, the cars, I think that it was our, our idea that George would be in a car that follows another car, but it's, but he, he fucks up and it's the wrong car. Um, so he got that from us. And then while we're talking, uh, he was trying to figure out what could happen with the bubble board. So I said, you know, this happened to me when I was in college, we used to play, um, Jeopardy. We used to, you know, smoke pot and play Jeopardy. And <laughs> They had the answers to the Jeopardy in a booklet. And I was with a married couple who ended up getting divorced. Uh, but uh, she, she, uh, she said Moore's and it was Moops. I mean, it was, that was actually the, the, the misprint. There was also another one instead of Cape Town, it was Cafe Town. So I pitched them both to Larry. I said, well, this happened to me. Maybe it could be, and he goes, you know, Trivia Pursuit. I said, yeah, you know, a game like that. Um, so that's where Moops came from. Um, and I mean, it's, it's so funny to see George in that situation with the bubble boy. It was, it was, it was hysterical. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, the voice is John Heyman. The one in, and the uh, voice is one John of the writers, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so Jason, like the chaperone, it was originally called the birds, right? That, that was a part of the pitch. I guess that was, that was your, uh, your doing, um, I'm assuming the whole Yankee stuff was added later. Cause at that point it was actually aired on season six. Right. Um, exactly. But um, did you, is this a true story too? I mean, did you date a no, Miss America pageant? Uh, you know, th this was, uh, this was Bob Shaw's idea. Um, and he asked me if I'd write it with him. I said, yeah. And we, we worked on it, but um, the basic premise was, um, you know, that, that uh, Jerry would, would, or George, they together would throw the water, ice water out the window and kill the dove that would mess up this woman's talent. Um, I'm not sure if we had, I, you know what? I don't have the script anymore, but Bob had a, based on a true story, Bob had a thing with George that it was in a draft. I don't know if it was in the draft that we gave to Larry, but the, the, this happened to, to Bob. He had a friend who was in a survivors, uh, sexual abuse survivors, uh, uh, like group therapy. And she asked if Bob would come with her for one night because she had to, she's going to have to speak and she's really nervous. And so Bob came. Now, if you know what Bob Shaw looks like, um, you know, he had bald, balding guy, looked older than he was, gray, grayish hair. Most of these people in this, uh, <laughs> in this group had been abused by a, uncle or a father, you know, somebody who looked like Bob. So Bob's in this, this thing. And, uh, finally somebody said, what are you doing here? And this girl that brought him refused to say that she, that he came with her. And cause she, she wasn't supposed to bring anybody. And they went crazy and started yelling and throwing stuff at Bob. And Bob had to run out of the room. They thought he was just some perv that wanted to hear people tell stories. <laughs> so we said, oh, that's a great George thing. But I'm sure it would have been too much even for, for back then. Um, uh, but that was that's what George was going to do in that episode. Yeah, Bob. Uh, and Bob also played a, a taxi driver on the show, right? Yeah, he did that. He was also... Um, there's one where we're all extras uh, in the coffee shop, and but he's the, I think he's an NBC executive sitting at at a at a table in the coffee shop. He has a line. Huh. Well, it's funny the uh, the cab driver just watching the movie again, and I don't know how involved we're we're going to talk to Mark Hirschfeld in uh, in a week or so, but the cab driver in that episode of the movie was just 
hilarious. Like, did you, as like a head writer, have any input into uh, casting these characters? Because no, in fact, in that in that episode, um, what's his name? Barry Diamond was the comic. Yeah. So uh, Steve Scrovan wanted Steve Heitner, who comes in later. Banyan, Banyan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Banyan, yeah. And Heidner wasn't, uh, you know, he was just a stand-up and an actor working. He had, didn't have much work up to that point. And we wanted him because besides being very funny, um, you know, he had that kind of young face and he would be the guy that would kind of run around Jerry going, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think? You know, that kind of stuff. So that's who we wanted. And Larry, because he was a friend of uh, Barry's, um, gave him the part. And we wrote it for for Barry Diamond, which made it instead of a uh, this hopeful comic, which I think Banyan was too, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, instead of that, uh, he had Barry Diamond, this this kind of annoying, not funny guy, um, and it worked. You know, I mean, Barry Diamond was very funny in it. But that was that was the only casting thing that that I, we were part of, and it didn't work. So. <laughs> You know, um, uh, Bill, you touched on something earlier about um, how in the later years they brought kind of a writing, more seasoned writers or a writing staff, if you will. And, um, you know, we, we're 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 fans of the earlier seasons. That's kind of our M.O. Uh, anyone that watches our podcast or listens knows that we're we hold seasons two through five in, in much higher regard, it's six as well and even seven to a degree. But for the most part, it's. You know, that's the core of the show. And then eight and nine, it gets a little bit a different kind of show, you know, to each their own, I guess. But um, it's evident that it seems to me that the writers in those later seasons, the Spike Ferristons and these and these guys that you, you had mentioned, it was almost like they were writing. They were writing a, a Seinfeld episode for what they thought a Seinfeld episode should be like from the outside, right. where yeah. it was like the writers like you guys that were there were just pitching real life ideas and on the fly and Larry's writing them, and Jerry's writing them. You guys are all like using real life and it just seemed more true. And I don't know if you, if you if, as an outsider, when you weren't on the show anymore, you know, could you see that kind of vibe happening too as well in those later years when I got a little yeah, bit? Yeah, you know, the, the problem with me was because I because I was successful on Seinfeld, so I was getting work and I got work for the next 10 years. It meant that I could never watch television because I'm always working. So I didn't I would only see bits and pieces of, of the shows and then caught up with most of them uh, in syndication. Uh one advantage we had was that this show, although popular, uh, you know, we didn't even we we started that that season um, on Wednesday night up against um, you know what's his name uh, Tim um, you know Tim that, Allen Tim Allen yeah the the uh, that that show and that Tim Allen beat us every week we always came in second in our time slot. And then midway through the season, they moved us to uh, Thursday night and became the number one show or the, you know, the top five uh, immediately. Uh, and so the, I guess my point is, is that we, we weren't writing for a successful TV show. Uh, we, were <laughs> we, writing, for yeah, sure. we were writing for a show that a couple of friends of ours, I, I would think it would be like SNL was back in 75, where they said, look, they they're gonna leave the lights on for us, and we're gonna do a we're gonna they're gonna let us do stuff. So that's how we uh, did it. By the time these other guys come, they got a burden. They got a number one show. They got to keep it number one. They got to do stuff that's um, that's true and tested. And and uh, I think also Larry, I've never seen anybody work as hard as Larry did on that that uh, uh, that season. He was. I mean, and he didn't really get a lot of help from from the staff because he didn't want to. I think what happened was both Castle Rock and NBC and and just everybody, the powers of B just kind of said, Larry, you need help. You, you can't. You're going to kill yourself. And we want more more television stuff, I think. And I, I'm again, I'm just speculating. I have no idea. But I. Uh, I would agree with you that that uh, seasons two, three, four. Um, you know, and five were probably the 
the most Seinfeld of all the Seinfelds. Yeah. Uh, it's a good point that I never really thought about the, the pressure of maintaining that. Right. I mean, like you said, you were on Wednesday nights wing wings, right. Was right. doing 25 million after cheers. So there was a lot of pressure there, but then when she left, you guys had to really step it up. But yeah, it was, it was the shoes. I'll never forget it. The shoes episode that uh, launched behind cheers on Thursday night, but it's funny you mentioned it. You're like, just it's a bunch of friends, right? Like you, Melman, Shaw, like hanging out. Like, I don't know. Tell us like a typical. Is there a typical day? Like, you guys go out to lunch. Like, what's what's the vibe? Like, what, had, what you guys are doing versus like what's happening? At Grace under fire or something. Well, Grace under fire was like Vietnam, so uh, <laughs> that was different. Uh, and I could do an entire podcast of. If there, if there ever is a Grace Under Fire podcast, I, I could tell <laughs> these horrible stories. But um, we, you know, we'd go to work. We'd, uh, they, we had a, uh, a cook that would come and fix our lunch. We would sit down at lunch. Um, every day, John Heyman would stand up in a huff and hate. He hated whatever that woman cooked every day. Sometimes Bob Shaw would come in late and. Uh, one day he didn't come into for for lunch, and uh, Jerry said, "Where's dinner bell, Bob?" And we knew right away, uh oh, this is not good to to have the boss notice that you're not there at lunch when you're supposed to be there about ten o'clock. So, but the great thing about lunch was it was funny. It was, uh, with the exception of Peter and Larry, and then Peter ended up uh, doing stand up anyway. But and Larry, uh, Larry Charles was a, uh, a joke writer in the beginning of his career. You basically had these seven people who had a lot of experience in nightclubs um, making people laugh. And that's all we did. We just ate and laughed. And Jerry was and Larry, they were never they were never the funniest people at the table. And they were never the, the people that thought that that you should, that they should be the funniest people. You know, it was just, it was just a bunch of guys just, um, you know, just laughing and having fun. And then we, you know, we go back to our room and work on whatever we were doing. And Peter would go into his, uh, cause he would usually have a script that he was working on. Same with Larry Charles. And then Jerry and Larry would take whatever that week's script was. And, and, uh, polish it and get it ready for, uh, you know, whatever the next day was. Um, and you know, we just, we just had fun. You know, there was a thing we had one that Scrovan came in with a soccer shirt on, you know, like, uh, Manchester, I don't know what it was. It was the <laughs> soccer shirt. It had a funny color to it. It was, so when he came in, um, and we had two offices, but we always hung out in one of the two offices. So there's four of us there. And, um, you know, we're giving Scrovan such shit about this ridiculous looking shirt. So we, we had, we opened up a betting thing. What was the over under before Jerry says something about the shirt? And, <laughs> you know, maybe it was Heyman said, look, five seconds. As soon as he walks in, he's going to go, what, what's up with the shirt? So uh, Jerry comes in and he's talking to us. And I think, I think Scrovan said he's not going to mention the shirt. It's not that funny. It's not that odd. And I'm going to win. So I don't know. We, Jerry's talking for four or five minutes. We're talking about different things here and there. And, and he hasn't mentioned the shirt. And so behind Jerry, you can see Scrovan going, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, Jerry doesn't know what's going on. We're just how anyway. So right as he's Jerry said, okay, so whatever it was that he established, you know, come back to my office in two hours, whatever it was, he left. And I swear to God, it sounds like a it sounds like a TV show. He got to the door and poked his head back in and said, What what's up with that shirt? <laughs> <laughs> and we all just we just started to applaud. And then we had to explain to Jerry what that was about. He goes, My God, it's the ugliest shirt I ever said. I didn't say anything <laughs> earlier because I didn't want to hurt this guy's feelings. Oh so that's the kind of fun attitude that that um was there. And then I don't know if you know the story about Tom Arnold with Julia with Julia. Yeah. So the parking spot. Yeah. yeah parking spot. So I'm trying to, 
I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but I guess Tom parked in Julia's spot. Is that what it was? And then Julia said something to him, and he's he was a he was a real uh, jerk about it. And she came in to where the writers were because Peter's office had a had a door, so he could you know he could keep the door open. She came in, and then he brought her into the rest of, and she was visibly upset, but funny, you know. She was saying, and he he said some things to me, and he thought you know. So uh, Scorvan, who played football at Yale, not that he's a big guy, but, you know, he's he's not going to uh, take too much of this crap, you know. So he goes, wait a minute. We can't. What? Where is he? So we all went over. Uh, and then we got, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jason was there. Uh, and we all went over. But Larry and Jerry didn't. Uh, it was just the four of us, Melman and... and um, and uh, Elaine and George, and we go over and just read Tom the riot act for being mean to to uh, 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 to Julia. Julia. And what do you say? You know, he 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 was so. Um, it's hard to say Tom Arnold was so funny, but he really was funny. Uh, he he, you know, he took back whatever he did. I I think he. <laughs> I don't know if he. He didn't spray paint, but he did something to the car. He, he you know, soaped it. I, you know, whatever it was. Um, and he promised, he, you know, he. I think he got someone to come in and detail the car and, and everything else. But he was quite shocked when we all showed up. Uh, it was great. That's awesome. Know, it was like because we said it. She's like, um, you know, like uh, Carla of the Little Rascals. She's our girl. Right. We can, you know, we can make fun of her, but you can't. You know, uh, that was that was fun. That was good. And, you know, it was just an every after every show, we would uh, we'd go to Jerry's uh, deli and, um, you know, have a uh, postmortem of what the show was. And I'd say about five or six years later, I went into I went into Jerry's deli and there's a plaque that says this is the Seinfeld table or something. And I was like, Jesus, that that I don't remember. I guess we sat there every time. I didn't really remember that, you know. Wow. It's these stories are, are great just to hear how everyone was so close knit, you know, the writing staff, those stories, and then Julian and, and you know, we didn't really touch on that too much, but um it sounds like, you know, the the movie episode is a funny episode because they all get made fun of with the when they're talking oh, yeah. to the lady, you know, like, oh, horse face and all that stuff. And it, they just seem like such good sports to just, you know, let that. I don't know much TV shows where they let the stars just kind of just get made fun of like that. You know, they, they were so close knit. I mean, can you touch a little bit more on, on you know, writing for them? Maybe like, you know, who you who you enjoyed writing for? Uh, you know, Kramer's amazing in in um, in the chaperone. I mean, he, he really yeah, uh, steals yeah. that episode. Well, he's great. I mean, you know, he, he yeah. his physical comedy is so great, and and, and just a testament to the characters. Um, you know, George is so uh, well defined. I, I mean, they all are, but um, you know, because he is Larry. You know, that's where he kind of that's where he's the beginning of the origins of him. Um, you know, the thing about uh, about Julia was uh, I'm not sure if this is the case, and you guys probably know more, but. I had worked uh, years later on on uh, Carolina City with um, Fred Barron, who was brought on to Seinfeld after the first four episodes or after the first two episodes, uh, because they they were afraid that Larry, you know, wasn't TV enough to do this. And after a week or two, um, they fired Fred because Larry said he was going to quit, and Jerry said, "I'm not doing it without Larry." That's the story I heard. But Fred told me that originally uh, Elaine wasn't a character. And he's it was his idea to have Elaine. Now, I don't know if that's the case. But um, Elaine is also one of those characters that you, you know, she's she's like, a, I mean, she's a TV woman. She's hot. She's sexy. But she's so funny. And she's so nutty. And she's, and I worked, like I said, after that, another 10 years in television, and and maybe uh, Candace was like that at Murphy also, but I never worked with a care with a person who did stuff better than it was written almost all the time. 
But if you if you gave Julia a line and you said, this is so funny because of whatever, she would do it and make it so much funnier because of something that she brought to the to the to the uh the table there. Uh uh I they probably all did that, but I just remember her more than anybody else being um just just better, just making it better, you know? Mm. Uh, and, yeah, and we said about about you know Jerry, I you know, Jerry knew that he wasn't the best actor in the group, you know? And Boy, he had no problem with you know, um, who, you know whoever whoever had the funny lines getting the laughs, because um, I mean he obviously got plenty of laughs, but you know he wasn't a pig about it. He was really, really a good, um, you know, a, as good a star of a TV show as I think we've ever had, as far as collaborating uh, and gener- being generous. You know? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned yeah. that. We've had it ton of guest stars on the show and they all say the stars let us shine like that's yeah who does that right i mean and that starts at the top of jerry for sure um and it's funny in the uh the scene of the you know when uh, george is running around trying to park the cars you can see jerry just genuinely laughing during that scene uh right. that was apparent to you guys i imagine and you yeah it was it. great you know and that's another thing about about casting, and when you talk to Mark about it, uh, I think as as important as I think we were as writers, I think that if you had to put everything in order, it's Jerry and Larry's writing, then the casting, and then then the rest of the writers. I mean, that the casting of that show was so perfect, uh, and uh, you know the costume. I mean, the co- you know he comes running and he's got. 10,000 keys hanging off his belt. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's just an hysterical guy. Um, and, you know, it like, and it, again, because it wasn't, you know, there wasn't much pressure. I don't think I'm sure that Larry and Jerry had pressure, but not, you know, w- w- what did I know? Uh, it was just so much fun to, you know, we had a scene where Newman and Kramer are in a courtroom it it was as good as anything I've ever any slapstick I've ever seen. I mean, it's like a great pie fight uh, in, in the silent days, and uh, they they couldn't use it at the end of the day. It was just too long, and it, and it wasn't that important. But just to watch these two incredibly gifted physical actors do that, I mean, it was it was like going to school. It was great. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's. You know, it's just hearing you tell these stories, the admiration you have for everyone involved and why the show is the greatest show of all time. I'm curious, uh, you know, what, what's um, what's uh, an episode that, you know, you as a as someone who was there when it was being pitched, like sort of was like, oh, man, this is going to be this is this is it. This is great. This is like your favorite base. We're not putting you on the spot more like maybe not your favorite episode when it aired, but sort of like within the writing, like when you were like, wow, that's an idea. Like that's like perfect writing or that's like, you know, I wish I well, had to come know, up with that. <laughs> the contest, obviously, um, just, just to give you an idea about how uh, Larry ran things is that you would have a table after the table, he invited all the writers to come back to his joint office with Jerry. So there was a studio and the network, Larry, Larry, Charles, Peter, Jerry, and these four staff writers um, for the network notes. And I've never been on a show since then that had staff writers. And I mean, you know, not only did he have us in there, but he would have us in first and we would take all the seats. So the network and the studio guys would come in to tell us what was what needed to be done. Um, They couldn't even (laughs) They couldn't even sit. <laughs> they had to stand. And while they're doing it, Larry is usually over sitting at his desk with a five iron in his hand, working on his grip. Uh, they were great. I mean, you know, Glenn Padnick, uh, everybody, at, uh, they were just great. But they knew, you know, that they were in the clubhouse, you know, with these with these kids. Uh, but when we did that episode, we read it the night before. And as we're walking to the to the uh, 
for the table, I said, you know, my, my big prediction was, I said, this isn't going to go. We got to figure out. I know I'm sure Jer uh, Larry and Jerry have something else they're going to do, but we should prepare ourselves for him coming in saying, we got to come up with something right now and do it and get it, blah, blah, blah. I said, because the network is going to kill it. That's just not going to work. So after, the, and it, of course, the table was unbelievably great. Uh, we go back to the, uh, back to the offices and um, uh, the guy from, uh, from NBC, and I can't remember his name now, he just came in and said, don't touch it. It's perfect. And they left. Wow. And again, I, I, 10 years af after that, I've never, never heard anything like that before where, you know, it's like they, we, we could have filmed the table read and they would have been happy. That's how great that episode <laughs> of television was. Um, and again, casting, you know, having Rachel uh, sweet as the, as the cousin, she was great. Everybody, everybody was great in that episode. It was so well, everything about it was great. So I would think that that's my favorite. Um, it's most people's favorite. So, mm. I, you know, uh, it's like, saying, oh, yeah, I think the Beatles were a really good band. You know, uh, <laughs> everybody, you know, it's, it's an easy pick, but I, I it, it's an amazing, it's an amazing television show. Yeah. And Bill, to your point, like that was a, that was still a Wednesday night show. So, you know, yeah. the, the, maybe the, the pressure. Yeah. I think Larry and Jerry definitely always had the pressure for sure. Um, these are, uh, these have been fantastic stories, Bill. And I think, you know, you were blessed that Larry made that phone call and I'm glad your wife made you call him back. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, because you got to experience all these great stories. So, uh, just thanks so much for these stories and listen, um, when we're out in LA, I guess me and Tony could play golf with you and Peter. I I'm guessing, right? Sounds great. You know, because of, <laughs> Because of Seinfeld, I uh, I made enough money that I joined Hillcrest Country Club. So I have a place to play golf whenever you're out here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, awesome. Bill. All right. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much, Bill. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, have a good night.